The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. I am so honored to be ministering to you guys today. I'm telling you, this morning has just been incredible. Pastor Jesse's not kidding. I am overwhelmed with the goodness of God. How about you guys? If you're not yet, you will be. I believe so, <laughs> because he's good. So how could you not be? Um, I'm going to open up this morning with something that has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon. (laughs) I love to laugh and I love to make other people laugh. And so I have a joke for you. And I'd like to ask you to laugh, even if you don't think it's funny. (laughs) All right. A local middle school was faced with a unique problem. A number of girls were beginning to use lipstick and would put it on in the bathroom. That was fine, but after they put on their lipstick, they would press their lips to the mirror, leaving dozens of little lip prints. Finally, the principal decided something had to be done. She called all the girls in question to the bathroom and met them there with the custodian. She explained that all these lip prints were causing a major problem for the custodian who had to clean the mirrors every day. So to demonstrate how difficult it was to clean the mirrors, she said to the custodian, will you show these girls how difficult it is? So he took his long squeegee and he dipped it in the toilet and began to clean the mirror. I'm telling you, to this day, there's been no lip prints on that mirror. I love that one. So we've heard that God is newsworthy. He's trustworthy. And today I get to tell you that he is praiseworthy. And we're going to spend most of our time really focusing on how we show him that, how we respond to his worthiness. Did you know that you were born a worshiper? Did you know that? You were born to worship. I love how one of the passages we've been referencing pretty frequently is Revelation 4, the vision that John has in heaven with worship that was taking place that is still taking place right now. It never stops. And we see the four living creatures who are crying, holy, holy, holy to Jesus. And then the 24 elders who are responding by casting down their crowns. And they say in Revelation 4.11, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. We get to partner with that worship that's happening in heaven. Did you know that all creation worships? I think that's incredible, isn't it? In Psalm 96, verse 11 through 13, it says, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. And Psalm 148 says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him from the skies, praise him, all his angels, praise him, all the armies of heaven, praise him, sun and moon, praise him, all you twinkling stars, praise him, skies above, praise him, vapors above the clouds. Let every creative thing give praise to the Lord for he issued his command and they came into being. Kind of makes you look at creation differently, doesn't it? When you realize they're all expressing the glory of God. So you are a worshiper and everybody worships something. The difference is we get to choose. We get to choose. Worshiping is in our DNA. Missionaries tell stories of going out to these primitive tribes throughout the world and finding these tribes worshiping these false gods. They've built altars. They've never been taught the gospel message but it's in their DNA to worship 
They intuitively do it. But we obviously have a revelation of the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ in that we get to respond by worshiping him. So it's not a question of if you are a worshiper. It's a question of what or whom do you worship? So I wanted to strip off maybe some of the misconceptions that are going around about what worship is. Because as being a worship pastor for many years, I have so many people that say, oh, I wish I were a worshiper. Like, you are. You are one. Oh, I can't sing. You're still a worshiper. And I feel like in this modern day, worship, worship in itself has almost become a bit of a genre, you know? Like, like on your Spotify playlist, you've got, you know, your country playlist, maybe some of you, I don't know, <laughs> your workout playlist, your hip-hop playlist, your worship playlist, Right? And we've got these incredible worship teams like Upper Room who are winning Grammys kind of thing, Dove Awards. Like it it has become kind of a famous thing. And while all of that is good, and while I use my Spotify playlist to worship, it's not the only way I can worship. The three songs that we sing or four songs we sing on a Sunday morning are not the only way we can worship. We are invited to live a life as a worshiper. All right, so I want to simplify it here. I love simplicity, and I want this to be something that you remember always. So what is worship? Worship is love expressed. It's a way for you to express your love to God, your adoration for him. If you love him, but you don't express it, it's not worship. If you express things for him, but it's not out of heart of love, it's not worship. Here's kind of an example, like in marriages, right? Like, I don't know how well that would go over husbands if you, uh, you love your wives, but you never show them. But that's a good thing, is that we get to, uh... <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> husbands, show your li- wives that you love them. Express it. Express it in great ways. Um, but worship is, uh, is giving our deepest affections and highest praise to God. So, and then, and then as far as singing goes, because most people think that, they go, you know, I, I, I don't sing well, so I don't, I don't worship in that way, or I, I just don't worship. And it's like, God, God gave you that voice. He's not surprised by it. Sing. But you can sing and have it not be worship, right? Anyone been to a karaoke night? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll stop there. So, all right, worship is love expressed. So let's talk about love for a minute. We know that God is love, and loving God is our greatest commandment. So in Matthew 22, 36 through 38, the disciples are asking Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, you guys know this one, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So we know we're called to love God, and we know worship is love expressed. So how should we express this love to him? How? Well, there's lots of ways. There's actually millions of ways we can express our love to God. But I I broke it down to just five bullet points for the sake of time this morning so that we can get a picture of how we can live a life of worship. And the first one is, so if worship is love expressed, how do we express our love? We express our love by giving. It's simple. Um, God is the greatest giver of all time. We all know that. God gave us the gift of Jesus, greatest sacrifice of all time. So we have a giving God, and we get to respond in turn to him 
by giving. You guys all know this is a foundational verse, probably the first one you ever learned in Sunday school, for those of you that grew up in church. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he, what? He gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You are so loved by God. You are so loved. I thank him for the gift of his son, Jesus, so that we may have eternal life and walk in a relationship with him. And if you're here this morning and you have not made a decision to live for Jesus, I'm telling you today's your day. Today's your day. I believe you are not here by accident this morning. And I invite you to come into a revelation of love and forgiveness that will transform your life for eternity. And it's pretty simple how you do that. In Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's right. That's right. So this morning, I encourage you, if you've never made that decision, you can pray that prayer. And even after service, if you want to come up, we would love to pray with you and welcome you into the kingdom of God, a life transformed and forgiven. So what can we give God? Well, our lives. We can give him our lives in just that very way. Another thing we can give God is our time. Who here feels like they have plenty of time, more time than they know what to do with? All right, yeah. Oh, do we got a hand? <laughs> well, God bless you. <laughs> I, um, I haven't discovered the miracle of that yet. <laughs> I'm still working on it, but I feel like I never have enough time. I never do. But I know that if I posture my heart differently, and I've learned this trick where if I start out in the morning, so I say, okay, all right, I, I don't know how I'm gonna make, th- make it through my to-do list today. I have no idea. So God, I glorify you. You are good. Here's my schedule. Can you tell me how I'm gonna make this work? And I hand over my time. And that can look differently too. Sometimes the time is spent where it's, you know, I'm running late and the neighbor comes over in the driveway and wants to have a conversation. And I know the Lord's saying, I'll give you green lights. Just talk to this person. Just love on them, right? We give them our time. Um, What are some other things that we can give God, right? What do you give the God that has everything? Praise, honor, thanks, adoration, heart, gifts and talents, and my favorite, money. (laughs) All right, so we can give God our money. Um, and, And the thing is, God doesn't need our money. God has everything, right? He has everything. He created everything. He owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. But yet we get the opportunity to give to him and be changed in the process. I love this story in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44 of the widow's might. And it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Isn't that incredible? Talk about a life of trust. Okay, Lord, here's all I have. I looked up, I wanted to know kind of what that might would be equivalent in today's society, um, what it would be equivalent to, and it's about an eighth of a cent. So an eighth of a cent into the offering, and yet Jesus was so pleased 
at the heart of her offering because she trusted him with his all. So I love that. He didn't care about the, the, the fact that what she gave was minuscule. He loved that she gave all she had. I, um, I've had lots of, lots of testimonies in my life being able to experience this, especially obedience in giving. I'm sure many of you have as well. And one particular story is one that happened about four and a half years ago. I um, had just quit a job in full-time ministry, so I gave up my full salary out of obedience to start this new ministry called Sparrow Ministries. It's worship ministry. We still have it. And so God said to my husband and I that it was time for us to do this, and that was a major, major step of faith for us because on paper, there was no way we were going to be able to pay for our bills. It was just, in the world's view, it was crazy for me to quit my job at that, that period of time. But God said, do it. So I did. And so the first couple months, they were hard. They were really hard. We didn't have extra money for anything. And in that time, I, um, I had done a lot of time walking the bridge. I call the Granada Bridge. It's kind of like, it's my mountain. <laughs> so, because there's not a lot of mountains here. So I'd go walk the bridge and spend time with God. And that's where I'd seek the Lord is on the Granada Bridge. And so in doing so, my running shoes got worn out. So they were stretched out. I had holes in them. And one day I was jogging down one side of the bridge and I tripped and fell. And I was devastated because I needed new shoes, but I didn't have money to buy new shoes. And I'm like, God, I gave up everything for you and I need new shoes. And um, at that point in time, it was interesting. The next couple of days, he began to put people in my life who had new shoes that they had gotten from the Goodwill. It was amazing. They'd gone to Goodwill and gotten these great brand new shoes. And so I asked the Lord, I said, God, okay, do you have new shoes for me from Goodwill? And I heard, yes. So I'm like, awesome. So next morning I get up first thing I'm at Goodwill before they even open. I'm waiting for them to unlock the doors and I race my way to the shoe section. I'm so excited. And I scour my size range. There's nada. There's shoes I probably wouldn't even touch kind of thing. And I'm like, man, did I mishear you, Lord? I thought for sure you said there were shoes for me here. And so I I couldn't shake it. I knew he had shoes for me there. And so I began to look in the other sections thinking, okay, maybe someone put another pair, you know, my size in a different section. So I walked around and I saw them. Brand spinking pair of Nikes, brand new, looked like they'd never been worn. And I'm like, there they are. Thank you, Jesus. I pull them up and I inspect them only to discover that they were two sizes too small. So my heart sank and I said, God, I don't understand. I thought you had shoes here for me. And at that exact moment, this young mother feverishly races down the aisle and starts pulling shoes off the shelf as fast as she can. She's trying to try them on and she's got tears streaming down her cheeks. And so I say, ma'am, can I, can I help you with something? And she's like, I, I just need a pair of shoes. I need a pair of shoes. And she's frantically telling me that she had just gotten a new job. This was her first day of work and they had just called her. She was on the way there. She had 10 minutes to be there. And they said, hey, don't bother showing up if you don't have tennis shoes. And she said, I can't lose this job or I'll lose my kids. And so I said, okay, what size do you wear? Well, lo and behold, the size she wore was the very size I held in my hands. And I said, try these on. And she said, oh, those are too expensive. I can't. And I said, please just try them on. She tried them on. They fit like a glove. And then she took off and I had to follow her to the register. And I said, miss, miss, I want to buy these shoes for you today. And she's like, what? Are you an angel? And I said, no. 
I'm just a follower of Jesus, and I love him so much. And I want to love him by loving you today and tell you that he loves you, and he's going to buy your shoes today. So I bought those shoes, and I can tell you I've bought a lot of shoes in my day, but those were by far the most valuable because I got to worship the Lord through my giving and by loving. And it isn't, isn't it incredible that like it's so much more fulfilling, right? Had I gone and gotten great shoes of a great testimony, God's faithfulness, but now this is a situation and circumstance I will never forget. Never forget. So thank you, Jesus, for that. So we express our love by giving. Another way we express our love is by serving. Who here likes to serve? Like to serve the Lord? Awesome. All right. This is a serving church, and I love that. So many of you guys serve so much, and we appreciate it. I'm just blown away every weekend at um, what people do between serving in the children's ministry to the coffee, even as something as simple as the unseen things. I see them. Those of you that pick up a cup that's not yours, clean things up. Thank you. Thank you for loving God that way. That's an act of worship, and I thank you for that. So the words worship the Lord and serve the Lord are often used interchangeably in Scripture. In Romans 12.1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In the King James Version, where it says this is your true and proper worship, um, it actually is exchanged with this is your reasonable service. Isn't that awesome? When you serve the Lord out of a heart of love for who he is and what he's done, is worship. Did you know that you, you can actually do your dishes as an act of worship? Who here likes doing dishes? Awesome. We have a couple. We had a couple last service too. I'm going to give you my phone number and you can come over anytime. So I don't like doing dishes, but I do them because I love my family, right? And I love the Lord. And so as an act of love, for the Lord, I do dishes. And case in point, my husband does dishes too. Thank you, babe. He's really good about that. Yes, he does. <laughs> Thank you for your worship. I appreciate it. So, all right. So, so we want to live these lives of worship, right? That transcend beyond the songs on a Sunday morning. We want to live these lives where we're constantly going, okay, Lord, here I am. What can I do for you? But let me tell you something. When you say that, it can get dangerous. It can. I'm going to say it on a small level, but I know even with, with Jake and, and um, Sarah here and Tina here, you guys have lived true lives of, of the, the expense of the yes to the Lord, which is incredible. Mine is not quite to that level, but <laughs> um, I have a little story about 10 years ago, I was on staff with a very large church that um, had just gotten a new building. And so it was their grand opening Sunday. They were so excited. We had been preparing for it for months, literally rehearsals, rehearsals, rehearsals. I was leading worship for it, and I was leading the opening song and doing the welcome. So we, we had dancers. I mean, it was a whole production. And um, so I was really excited, and it was literally five minutes until the very first service started on our very first day in the new building, and I realized I was going to be on stage for a long time. I should probably run to the restroom. So I saw the five-minute countdown uh, timer on the screen, so I ran to the restroom. And this building was so spanking new that, like, literally in the restroom, probably half the stalls had never been used. So I run into the first stall. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but you see something you don't like and you real quick retreat and go, not that one. (laughs) Go to another one. 
Well, that's what was happened to me. And I apologize if this was TMI, but I went to go walk in that first stall and someone had gotten sick. It was a bit of a mess. So I'm like, not that one. I'm going to go to another one. So I start to walk over to another stall and the Lord begins to speak to me and minister to my heart. And he said, are you going to, are you going to leave that there? I know, I know. So, you know, I don't know if God knew it at the time, but I was kind of important <laughs> for the service. Hopefully, you know my personality well enough to be, <laughs> I don't think that way. But I, um, you know, I had a little conversation with the Lord, was like, God, you know, I'm singing the first song. Um, so I, I can't, someone else is going to have to deal with that. But I like, they need me. They need me. And I hear it again. Are you going to leave that? And the Lord began to reveal to me that there were his daughters coming to church that morning. Many of them who'd have come for the very first time have never set foot in a church building before were gonna be there. And that's what they were gonna walk into. So reluctantly, I decided, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna muscle through, we're gonna do it. So I go look underneath the sink and the cabinet to see if there's any cleaning supplies. And to my great delight, there were not. So I'm like, sorry, God, there's no cleaning supplies. And uh, yeah, I still couldn't shake that tug in my heart. I knew what he wanted me to do. So I went to the hospitality director and I let her know what was going on and thought for sure she would say, I'll take care of it. You've got three minutes, get on stage. No, she said, I'll be right back. She came right back and handed me a bottle of cleaner and a roll of paper towels and said, good luck. So I raced back to the bathroom, cleaned it up, washed my hands, ran back on stage, like literally got there. The first song had already started. They actually had to restart it. I kind of messed up the whole opening ceremony. Everyone was mad at me. And I actually never told them this story, which is interesting. So um, I uh, went through the worship. Worship was great. Service was great. But you know, I, I can't tell you anything about what happened during that service. I'm, I'm sure God was glorified. But the most valuable act of worship I gave that morning had nothing to do with what I did on the platform. It was found in cleaning the toilet, right? I love that. I love that about God, that he loves our heart to serve him. Another way we express our love to him is through our obedience, which can be really hard. You guys ever been in a situation where God has asked you to do something that you didn't want to do? Or, or even worse, for me, like I ask a lot of questions and I like to know the why. Well, why, God? But there's a lot of times in my life where he's asked me to do things where I don't know the why. I've just got to be obedient. I've just got to do it. Why? Because I love him. Because I get to. Because I trust that he is God and his ways are higher than my ways. And so he knows. And so if he says do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I love it. David, you know, was known as a man after God's own heart. And he says in Psalm 119, 33 through 34, just tell me what to do and I will do it, Lord. As long as I live, I'll wholeheartedly obey. And in John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I think one of the most incredible stories of obedience in the Bible is with Abraham and Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. And if you guys have not read that recently or have never read it before, I highly recommend you camp there for a little bit. 
And um, because I'm just astounded, I'm astounded at the level of trust and obedience that Abraham had for God. And so just to give you a Cliff Notes version of what's transpired in that section, we've got Abraham who was being tested by God and Abraham had his only son, Isaac. And, and God said to Abraham, I want you to take your son, Isaac, up to the Moriah region and I want you to sacrifice him for me. I think when we read the Old Testament, it's one of those things where those kind of things aren't as shocking, but when we put it in today terms, today's terms, it's basically saying, do you love me more than you love your son? We get, we, we get to love him first, above all. So Abraham, in his obedience, was not delayed obedience, which is disobedience. He literally went out the next morning, got his son, Isaac, and they gathered up um, the wood and the things necessary for the sacrifice. And I think he had a few men helping him. And then they went on their journey. And, I, and in this, Isaac asked Abraham, okay, you've got the wood. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says to him, God will provide the lamb. So they make it up all the way to the point where Abraham builds the, the, the altar lays Isaac upon it, has the knife in his hand, is ready to sacrifice his only son. When an angel of the Lord says, stop, you don't have to do that. And then a ram is provided, caught in the thicket for him to sacrifice instead. God would have never had him do it, which is incredible to me because 2,000 years later, God did exactly what he did not require Abraham to do. And he sacrificed his only son. Mm. God, give us obedience like Abraham. Just tell me what to do and I will do it. As long as I live, I will wholeheartedly obey. Another way we express our love for God is through sacrifice. That's a real fun word, isn't it? Sacrifice. Who here likes to sacrifice things? I know. <laughs> but we get to. So we've talked about, right? Even some of the examples I've used, sacrificial giving, the sacrifice of our time, the sacrifice of our comfort, but I want to spend just a few minutes talking about a sacrifice of praise. God is always good. Do you believe that? Yes. He is always good, which means the circumstances in our life, even if they aren't good, do not negate the fact that God is good and he is always worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised even when you don't feel like praising. He is still worthy it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change. And, and, and we have these opportunities in our life to offer praise even when we don't feel like it. To rejoice in the Lord when you are in the middle of the storm, when you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We have an opportunity to give him a sacrifice of praise. I heard a pastor say this once. He said it in a sermon right after his wife had died of cancer. And he was talking about the importance of worshiping the Lord. And he said, I want to take a moment of the greatest pain or loss or confusion or whatever's going on and grab it and determine I'm going to do the best I can to give him an offering that costs me. I'm going to give him a sacrifice that I'll never have a chance to give him again. I get one chance in this painful moment. You see, in heaven, we will spend eternity worshiping. There's no pain. There's no sorrow, right? There's no loss. And we get to bask in his presence and 
and worship in a myriad of ways. But here on earth is the only time we'll experience those earthly feelings. And it's the only opportunity we have to give him worship that costs us something, to give him a sacrifice of praise. It kind of shifts your perspective where all of a sudden, it's an honor and an opportunity to get to worship him when things just don't feel like they're going well in your life. But we still get to honor him because once again, it doesn't change the fact that he is good. Um, About six months ago, my life changed completely. My husband's life changed completely. This is my husband, Aaron, and he is a walking miracle from the Lord. He is still walking out his miracle, but God has miraculously healed him. It's, I'm just astounded at the goodness of God represented in the life of my husband. But about, um, we've been together for, what, 21 years now? And Aaron has never gotten sick. Like, he never gets sick. I've never had to take him to the hospital. This guy is strong as an ox. And um, we had a, a little bit of a surprise about six months ago where, out of the blue, he was not feeling well. And his doctor said, you know what? I don't know what's going on. Go ahead and take him to the emergency room. So we took him to the emergency room. And in the next 12 hours, our lives changed because we went from thinking it's got to be something minor to them telling us that he was in congestive heart failure. His heart was barely functioning and they didn't know what they could do. Maybe he'd be strong enough for a heart transplant in the future. And so it was a shock to all of us. It was a shock. And um, so processing that um, was pretty difficult. And so the first week in the hospital, we we lived in the hospital for basically a month. But the first week in the hospital, my faith was strong. Okay, I was down at the piano in the lobby at Advent, worshiping away, gathered all my worshiping friends. We were lighting it up in the hospital. It was wonderful. And so it was good. I was walking in victory, declaring life for my husband. But day after day after day of being in that hospital, And then having doctors give us dismal news, it was difficult for me to keep that place of faith, to keep my eyes on Jesus. You know, the word persecute means to wear out. And that's what was happening to me. I was getting worn out, hit after hit after hit after hit. And so I had an opportunity to to go home. I I tried to leave the hospital as, as minimally as possible and had an opportunity to go home and just get some fresh clothes and shower. And so Pastor Jay actually came and babysat my husband for me. And so, so Jay sat with Aaron, and, um, and I ran home and drove as fast as I could, packed clean clothes as fast as I could, raced down my stairs, and the second my feet hit the base of the stairs, I stopped because I heard the Lord ask me a question. And he said, will you sing to me? And I said, sure, God, I'll sing to you. I'll sing to you all the way back to the hospital. But see, that wasn't what God wanted from me in that moment because I knew what God meant. As I had come down the stairs, at the base of the stairs is where my piano sits. And that's where the Lord and I spend time together. It's, it's kind of our place. I've written songs to him there, sing to him, glorify him constantly. And that piano, it's, it's, it's our spot. And so I knew when he said, will you sing to me? He was asking me to sit at the piano. And so once again, I was trying to barter with God and say, God, okay, I'll do it. On the way to the hospital, and I begin to continue out to my truck, and, and I hear it again, will you sing to me? And I knew I had a choice in that moment to just continue on and stay in my place of muck and fear, or I could be obedient to the Lord, and I could give him what he was asking for. 
So I sat down at the piano reluctantly, and it was almost like I'd never played the piano before. Like, I didn't even know what to do. I'm looking at these keys, and I'm like, God, if you want me to do this, I'm going to need your help. I don't even know what to play or what to sing. And at that point, all of a sudden, I felt the presence of Holy Spirit come upon my hands. And out of faith, I went to play one note, and the rest just flowed out. This beautiful melody of worship, unlike I have ever been able to play in the natural. I was amazed. I was like, this is incredible. So this song starts pouring out of me. And then I begin to sing, and I didn't know what to sing. But as soon as I sung the first word in faith, a spontaneous song burst out that I'd never sung before. And it was, I don't know how else to explain it or describe it other than it was like the Holy Spirit was singing through me. He was helping me do it in this moment of weakness. And so then I just continued to worship, continued to worship. And the more that I worshiped, the more comforted I felt. I encountered his presence and his loving arms around me. I even went as far as to feel the train of his robe It was such a surreal yet real experience with him. And in that moment where here I was sacrificing to him, being obedient to him, in his goodness, something changed. Me. I changed. My perspective changed. Before I sat down to worship him, I was full of faith. I was full of, sorry, full of fear. I was full of confusion I didn't, know, I didn't know what to do. And after that time of worship with him, I was full of faith. I was standing in a place of victory. I was able to go back to the hospital that day, a completely new person. I was not the same person. And there I got to declare life over my husband. I got to love him well. I got to love my family through it because I needed that refill. I needed it. And I got it through worship. I got it through worship. So God changed my entire perspective. Worship team, you guys can come up. Do you need a perspective shift today? Do you need a change in that? The answer is simple. Worship. Worship him. Give thanks. Do you know, this is a side note, but it has been scientifically proven by scientists. I think it's either Harvard or Stanford. They did a study where where gratitude and... um, basically changes, changes your brain, uh, basically, but where, where anxiety and gratitude cannot exist at the same time. They cannot coexist. So you can give thanks through worship, and anxiety has to go. It has to. Isn't that incredible? So you need a perspective shift? Worship. You feel like God is far away? You want, like, gosh, I just don't know. I don't feel God. Worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. Want to feel close to him? Want to become face to face and become a mirror that reflects his glory? Worship, worship. My last point today is that we express our love through adoration. This is the act of telling God that you love him, most commonly expressed through musical worship. So it is very much a part of how you can worship. We can live a life laid down of worship in all different ways of, of once again, expressing our love to him. But at the end of the day, he still loves it when you sing to him. He does. 
Do you know that it says there's over 400 verses that talk about singing to the Lord in the Bible and 50 of them are actually direct commands to do so. Um, One of them is Psalm 96, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Every day proclaim the good news that he saves. And then Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary, right here. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Well, that means anywhere you're under heaven, praise him, right? Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Are you breathing? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I love this in God's infinite goodness. What's so incredible to me is that here he delights when we sing to him, but he also sings over us. Did you know that? That God has your very own song. He's written just for you, many of them, that he sings over you. In Zephaniah 3.17, it says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears, and he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. That's how good he is. That's how much he loves you. So in Hebrew, in the Old Testament, there's 10 words that are most commonly used for praise and they all pertain to an action. Some of these include shouting, kneeling, raising or extending your hands, clapping, singing scripture, praying, dancing, celebrating extravagantly, and playing instruments. Those are the examples of how we can worship in scripture. And then in the New Testament, the most common Greek word for worship is proskuneo, Proskuneo, which means to kiss the hand in reverence to, to bow down and lay prostrate. I love that. I love the, the, fact, the, the fact that we can get low before him as an act of reference. Have you ever laid face down before the Lord in worship? Awesome. If you haven't, I encourage it. Put on some worship music and lay down and say, here I am, I surrender before you, Lord. It's life changing. It's life changing. But all of these words that I've described are verbs. Because once again, what is worship? It is love expressed, expressed. And so these things that I've described should be normal to see in a church service, right? It should be normal to see people raising their hands. It should be normal to see people kneeling. It should even be normal to see people dancing. Not well, but not kidding. So I love how, I love how um, David danced before the Lord. King David, who became undignified in his ephod in the streets, dancing. And there were many more occasions where he danced before the Lord because he didn't care what he looked like. He just loves God, right? Amen. So we're going to step into a time of worship, a time of adoration, where you get an opportunity to express your love to God. And I wanna challenge you to do that in a possible new way today. So maybe you're here and and you don't normally sing, sing. He loves it when you sing to him. Maybe you don't usually raise your hands, raise your hands. 
Maybe you've never kneeled before in his presence. Whatever it is that, ask the Lord. Say, Lord, how can I show you that I love you today? Maybe it's just shouting praise, clapping your hands. Ask him how you can love him today because he is worthy of it all. He is worthy of your praise. He is so worthy, so worthy. So I'm gonna invite you guys to stand if you're able to. We'll step into this place of worship. Oh, we thank you, God. God, I thank you that we are changed in your presence. And I thank you for the opportunity to worship you and minister to you with not just our lives and every aspect of who we are, but this morning we get to express our love in a new way with our bodies. We declare that you are truly worthy of it all. Whatever that looks like, whatever it costs, you are worthy of our praise. So we rejoice in who you are. We rejoice in your goodness. Can you just lift up your voices and just begin to thank him? We rejoice in you, Lord. We thank you. You're so good. You're so good.